Hello, and welcome to Mr. Benson's Extraordinarium. Extraordinary tales from around the globe and throughout history. I'm Dan Benson. You've heard the expression, the money pit, often used to describe a physical object that requires constant expensive maintenance to continue functioning, like some of the cars I've owned, or anything that is a burden on finances with little reward. But the money pit I'm going to talk about today is a literal pit that A. supposedly has money at the bottom, and B. has had enormous resources poured into digging it, dating back to its discovery in 1795. That year, one Daniel McGuinness was scouting for farmland off the Nova Scotian coast at a place called Oak Island when he came across a distinct and very out-of-place circular depression in the ground. Rumours had circulated for a century that the notorious pirate Captain Kidd had buried treasure to the tune of two million pounds on an island east of Boston, which happens to be where Oak Island is located. And armed with this information, McGuinness thought the odd depression worth further investigation. And so it was, a few days later, with a couple of mates armed with shovels, the digging began. Digging that would carry on for well over two centuries. The first thing they observed was that the ground was soft, like it had been dug previously, and at about six feet or three metres, the men struck a slab of oak, the first of several, that appeared to be deliberately placed. Not only was there soft soil and deliberately placed obstacles, but there was evidence in the form of markings consistent with picks and shovels. By this stage, they were pretty certain they weren't the first people to dig here. Given that the island was, at the time, fairly isolated, there wasn't much call to swing by and dig a massive pit. Burying pirate treasure seemed like a reasonable explanation, and so the digging continued. At least for a while, McGuinness and co, for a variety of reasons, gave up the quest at around the 10 metre mark. But by this time, word had spread, and soon others would take up where McGuinness left off. In 1802, a group of 30 men known as the Onslow Group arrived and excavated to the 27-metre mark. And these guys not only found more oak platforms, but also, allegedly, unearthed a stone tablet with a cipher chiselled into it. Supposedly, the cipher was decoded, revealing the message, 10 feet below, 2 million pounds buried. This seemed conclusive to the Onslow Group, but... When they returned to dig the last 10 feet, they found the pit flooded with water. Where the water had seeped in from, nobody could say. The Onslow group attempted to dig a parallel shaft, but money for the venture was running out, and wouldn't you know it, that shaft flooded too. The Onslow group cut their losses. 47 years would elapse before a group called the Truro Company arrived in 1849. And the digging continued, but again, both newly reopened pits flooded, and regarding that, an important discovery was made. The water was salty, and the pits seemed to fill with water at high tide. The men scouted around and discovered a channel, which seemed to head in the direction of the money pit, which would be submerged at high tide. 
Bad yet intriguing news. Intriguing because if someone had gone to the trouble of setting booby traps, there must be something of extreme value down there. But bad because the technology of the day meant it presented an almost insurmountable challenge. Nonetheless, the digging continued. More parallel shafts were dug, but again, plagued with flooding and diminishing funds, they too finally gave up. I could go into the countless would-be treasure hunters who came afterwards, but frankly, most of their stories aren't that interesting. New technology such as the steam engine was introduced to drive pumps, boring equipment was introduced to the site, and even professional divers went into the pit. But all went home completely treasureless. One group the Old Gold Salvage Group, is notable for one of its members who would go on to great renown as the 32nd President of the United States, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And other famous names to become involved in this include Hollywood actors Errol Flynn and John Wayne. Another notable treasure hunter was Robert Restall, who took over the site in 1959, Unfortunately, he is notable because he lost his life in this quest, along with his 18-year-old son and two others, when they were overcome by hydrogen sulphide fumes. But despite this loss of life, and the fact that, at the time, people had been digging there for over 150 years without any sign of treasure, at the time of this recording, there are people still digging at the site. The idea of pirates burying their treasure is commonplace, but in fact it almost never happened. Captain Kidd did indeed have buried treasure unearthed and used as evidence against him, but in the pirate world this is considered aberrant behaviour. And even if the rumours were true and he had buried two million pounds worth of treasure somewhere in the area, then why so deep and why set booby traps? And why mark the last ten feet with an engraved stone tablet with a cipher on it? Like many of the artefacts supposedly uncovered on this dig, the tablet itself has been lost to time, if indeed it ever existed at all. And so I'm left to wonder, did McGuinness find treasure and keep it to himself in 1795, and just let the legend take on a life of its own to draw away any unwanted attention? Or is it the most extraordinary treasure hunt of all time? Well, there is one last possibility. It might just be a big load of bull. On Saturday the 27th of September 1986... A world record attempt was made in Cleveland, Ohio, in the United States. Around 1.4 million balloons were gathered in a structure in Cleveland's public square. The structure was the size of a city block and three stories high, topped off with a net that would be removed at the appointed time in what was to be the world's largest balloon release, surpassing the record set the previous year. It was meant to be a harmless spectacle with the intention of creating publicity for a non-profit organisation called United Way, raising funds at the same time, with children selling sponsorships at the price of $1 for two balloons. The event took six months to organise and was called Balloon Fest 86, and it sounded like a lot of fun. 
But it wasn't. The goal of 2 million balloons wasn't achieved, but 1.4 million were purchased, inflated and released into the net, and at 1.50pm, with all the balloons inflated, the net was released, and all those colourful balloons floated up into the sky. The balloons I probably don't need to mention were filled with helium, and helium-filled balloons usually stay aloft until they deflate. However, on the day these particular balloons were released, 1.4 million of them, there was a cold front and rain, and the balloons didn't behave as anticipated. They pretty much about-faced and came back to Earth. According to Wikipedia, quote, clogging the land and waterways of northeast Ohio. But it wasn't just pollution that was the problem. A nearby airport on the shore of Lake Erie had to close for around half an hour while wayward balloons were collected from the runways. And if anybody happened to be circling the airport, low on fuel and waiting to land, I'm sure half an hour would have seemed like an eternity. The balloons also drifted onto roads, causing traffic to slow and causing multiple accidents, with people claiming that they were swerving to avoid the balloons. I have no idea why you would swerve into another vehicle to avoid hitting a latex balloon, but it's not impossible. And there were, of course, those few honest people that freely admitted they were looking at the spectacle and not watching where they were going. Livestock were also injured when they were startled by the balloons and tried to run away. But by far the worst thing to come out of all this was when two fishermen lost their lives. Their empty boat had been discovered, but the rescue helicopter was unable to conduct a search because of the hazard posed by the balloons, and a boat launched by the Coast Guard had little success as the men's life jackets, which would have stood out and been easily spotted on the open sea, were camouflaged in amongst what was quite literally a sea of balloons. The United Way organisation was sued by the wife of one of the fishermen and the owners of the livestock to the tune of $3.3 million in total. And if we do a quick calculation, 1.4 million balloons at $1 for two balloons is $700,000 raised, not counting overheads. So all in all, Balloon Fest 86 was something of a disaster. But they did succeed in making it into the Guinness Book of Records, 1988 edition, as biggest simultaneous balloon launch. But given the inherent dangers of attempting to beat that record, the category was ultimately retired. You've been listening to Mr. Benson's Extraordinarium. Created, researched and hosted by me, Dan Benson. If you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button and continue to join me as I uncover extraordinary stories from around the globe and throughout history. Till next time, peace, love, light. Take care, catch ya.